Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Matty P Presents Saturday Morning Serial. I'm Grim Shea, and joining me, as always, is Marky. Say hi to the people, Marky. Hello, everybody. And I am so glad you're all joining us today. I've got to, I've got to share something new with you, Marky. Uh, what do you got? Well, I've got a new feature over at our website, MattyPRadio.com. Uh-huh. It is called My Netflix Addiction. Your Affliction? You know, if that's not in writing, it's really kind of hard to sell. But I got what you were going for. There. <laughs> Netflix edition? No, this is a this is a new platform uh, that you can find from now and then uh, over on the uh, MattyPRadio dot com website, uh, where we talk about Netflix and what you can binge on and what you should avoid. Right. Our our little our little sampling at the at the bewildering Netflix buffet, if you will. Uh-huh. You can take our opinion or you can leave it. We really don't care. Well, but we're here to save you some time, really. Yeah. If you want to listen to us, great. But otherwise, yeah, I'll just passively aggressively <laughs> just forget about you. Yeah. No. No. I, I think this is uh, definitely needed. Um, it's it's a paradigm shift. The world is different now. That Netflix went online. Yeah. That what we've got is uh, now when you turn on your Netflix, you have to make a conscious investment of your time in television right. instead of just being fed what, whatever's available at a time. You are creating your own free. network. Yeah. Basically. Exactly. It's whatever you want to watch. It has many. led to so much change with the binge watching and the uh, and, uh, Just the term itself. Four in the, morning. the term itself came from Netflix, really. The term binge-watching did not exist up until a couple years ago. No. No, it did not. Now it's everywhere, and we want to do our part to remind you that we're in this together. Mm -hmm. And we're enjoying it, too. I mean, the the actual use of the word binge, that's a gluttonous thing. I kind of want to say it again. Binge. Ah, that was good. You know, because when you're drinking a lot, you binge. Mm -hmm. When you're eating a lot, you binge. When you're watching a lot of good, juicy television... You binge. Oh, you're binging right there. I'm a son of a binger. Oh, oh, oh you binging hardcore, mother bitch. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the platform we're going to use to hopefully help you rein this in. Mm-hmm. Pick, pick things you should. Stay away from things you shouldn't. Uh, this week, we, uh, we cover The Fall. That's from uh, a BBC show, mm-hmm. which, again, without Netflix, many of us probably never would have heard of. But I'm, Aren't we lucky? I'm told everything on BBC is excellent. By everybody who's smarter than me. And that's the accent. You've got to get past that. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, you can head over to the site to read all about The Fall on Netflix for a limited time. Uh, just incidentally, 
it's a recommendation. That's about four out of five stars. It's a uh, what we like to call move it to the top. Which is move it to the top of your queue, mm-hmm. uh-huh. which mm-hmm. is a Netflix thing. Yes. In fact, the scale goes as follows on a scale of one to five. Starting at the top, you've got to play it now. Mm-hmm. Now that's, you know, drop whatever you're watching, head over there, watch it. Uh, Just, something that may qualify would be, let's say, Walking Dead. Uh, if you're not watching this yet, play it now. Walking Dead, Breaking Bad. Play it now. You know, I, 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 it's, it has to be done. It doesn't get better than that. Right. That's what Netflix is for. You're basically missing out and, you know, the, yeah. the, now, the bus is leaving. Now the next one down, you got your four out of five stars. That's what we call move it to the top. Like this week's The Fall. Mm-hmm. Move it to the top of the queue. Get it in there. You don't have to drop whatever else you're doing, but you never know when a show disappears from Netflix. Don't. Don't let this one slip through your right. fingers. Get on there. Next notch down, you got three out of five stars. Put it in the queue. Put it in the queue. You don't want to forget that you read about this one night when you were drinking after work, and then you said, oh, you I'll look about that up later, and you never hear of it again. Put it in the queue. If you never get around to it, nah, don't worry. But it is better than you know 80% of whatever is sifting through your recommended list anyway. Another notch down. We got your two out of five stars. You're, give it five minutes. Because you never know. Maybe, maybe this is your cup of shitty tea. Yeah. yeah maybe we, we're going to disagree yeah. on this. A lot of like... people don't get it, but maybe you do. Your sensibilities line up. It's, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Okay. And the final one? Oh, the one, the one out of five stars. Yeah, what's that you one? get one star for actually getting anything on Netflix. That's the only reason <laughs> you get that star. So there is no zero? This is so bad. This is so bad. You should just put Bowflex infomercials into uh-huh. your queue because uh-huh. you obviously don't care. It would be great just to have like a rating that just built up your recommended for you section. Well, everything builds up your recommended for you. Well, I I loan my uh, niece my iPad that had the Netflix, and now I'm getting My Little Pony and all kinds of stuff that they're recommending for me because she just totally screwed up my recommended for you things. So you can watch this kind of stuff just to kind of kind of get that back on you know get that back on track. Yeah. Well, what you're talking about is Netflix deception. Net. Yes. And uh, uh, and that's uh, horrible. You're you're no. Oh God. Stop. What? what do you mean? That works. That works. I think if you can't see it written down, you, you just can't <laughs> sell it enough. I'm trying to make the... Anyway, okay, never mind. An, an affliction? An, an a Netflixion. Netflix, Netflixion sounds good. A Netflixion. Net, Netflixion. Yes, I have a Netflixion. All right, anyway, uh, one, of the, one of the things that remains to be said about the fall, because you can go over to the site and check it all out uh, in the article. It goes into some depth. But I do want to mention that it is one of those rare shows that has awesome, strong female characters that are just so, like, right in the mix that you don't even notice that they're strong female characters. You can just take it for granted. And that's, that's pretty rare. Okay. Don't, don't you? I mean, well, well honestly, I think there, there's a big debate going on now in, uh, about, the, about gender equality mm-hmm. in entertainment, about the, the fact that women, women have been underrepresented. If you're on the right side of history, you're going to say that women have been un, underrepresented throughout the years. You don't have them, they're being marginalized in their roles on screen. They don't, they're not given the same opportunities behind the scenes. Um, we all want to do something about this. But then again, we're also kind of used to the way the entertainment system works. Right. That's that's what that's kind of the problem here is that we get, here we have two two dudes talking about this stuff, 
and uh, it's not really getting anywhere. You know, yeah. like, I mean, well, because but, well, when, whenever more, this conversation comes up, if you if you if we have, you know, go back to every conversation we've ever had about a television show or a movie. And if there's any kind of you know, woman starring in it, the conversation will devolve into how good looking she is. Yeah. At some point you do ask, I think even I think even women do that, which makes me think, have we just been programmed that way then yeah. at this point? And are we now trying to fight that programming? And, you know, the uh, the altruistic, uh, the hopeful answer is, yes, that's exactly what's happening. And we're fighting, and that's why we're seeing women carrying their own movies and, and strong female leads in major television shows. Uh, Catherine Bigelow finally broke the, the gender Barrier wall the, yeah. in, the, in the Oscars for directing. Um, there's a lot that's easy, if you want to be on the right side of history, to say about it. But the most important thing is how much better is it getting? Uh, you can't ignore there was an issue. Uh, you know, you know what? It occurs to me, maybe instead of just the two of us guys who don't even work in entertainment, mm -hmm. let's let's get a third man to talk about this. Yeah, I think it's I think any woman's problem that can't be solved with three guys talking about it is just has got no solution. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. otherwise you got to get a fourth guy interested, and that yeah. that's a challenge. Yeah. That's that's crowded. Well, anyway, for uh, for this task, I say we go to our uh, now resident hijacked expert. <laughs> so we hijacked on, on, a resident? Yes, yes, in <laughs> essence. Okay. We're going to talk to uh, Dan Casey uh, about this. We asked him a question. And who is He's, Dan Casey? Dan Casey is uh, assistant editor down at uh, Nerdist.com. So pretty big credentials. That's right. On the other hand, he does not work for us. He is not technically our expert at all. But since we did ask him some questions, we're going to pretend we've got him on uh, retainer. Though, again, disclaimer, he does not represent <laughs> us in any way. Here we go. Anyway, we talked to Dan, and this is what he had to say on the issue. Meanwhile, there's, there's always been this debate, and it's, it's come up a lot more recently, uh, about uh, gender equality in entertainment, about how uh, mm -hmm. women's roles have been kind of slighted and they're not behind the scenes. Um, but it, as a journalist in this particular field, what's your perspective? Um, I definitely think it's uh, an evolving discussion, and um, I'm definitely I'm trying to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, I, I think I want to see more. I, I want to see more uh, female protagonists. I want to see more female superhero. You know, think about Marvel in particular. We have not had a female led superhero film yet and they have so many fantastic heroes in their universe um you know ms marvel they have she hulk they have spider woman they it um the list goes on but and think about on the on the flip side why is the first time we're seeing wonder woman in batman versus superman like she is she deserves her own standalone film where she is the hero the story is hers and I definitely, you know, it's, I, I, I'm glad that we're starting to get more and more female characters on screen, but I still think there's a long way to go before we're approaching anything near uh, parity or gender equality in terms of the kind of stories and protagonists we're seeing. But I will say, um, very, in the new Captain America, I was very pleased to see that uh, uh, Black Widow has a much more expanded role. You get much more of a sense of who she is as opposed to her just being uh, Scarlett Johansson kicking ass in a leather jumpsuit. Which is nice, by the way. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. which, which yes, we don't yeah, want to course. take anything <laughs> away from. <laughs> no, 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 of course yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, you, you are kind of a, a comic book expert down at the site, and uh, so, so it seems to me like you're saying that comic books, maybe they don't have it right, but they've got it a lot more correct, and there's a lot more parody in that medium than in TV and movies. Am I reading that right? Um, yes and no. I still think overwhelmingly, if you look at um, a lot, if you look at most comic books, they're going to have a male protagonist, and that's just uh, that's just the sort of the culture uh, that exists right now. And it's um, it's in a, it's like I said, it's slowly but surely as more female creators get the chance to you know tell their stories and write their write their own books and create their own films and you know we're getting more female protagonists and we're getting more female perspectives but it's not it's still um a long ways away from uh you know getting it right as it were well all right well it sounds like you're saying there's progress instead of just a movement but yes, there's exactly. There's there's progress, but there can be more. All right, I think I think that is the same conclusion that uh, uh, the two of us men have come to. Also, <laughs> I know. And you just have a bunch of men just talking about this, and it's like, you know, yeah. who the who the heck gave us permission? Or you know, exactly. Yeah, I, you know, I yeah, I always uh, I always. You know, my my the hair on my neck stand up a little bit because I don't want to. I, I'm not. I you know, being a man, I'm not able to speak for a female perspective. I'm just able to say what I'd like to see happen in the greater media landscape. Yeah, as a fan, I've noticed a certain uh, uh, unevenness. Right. Mm-hmm. At the at the same time, you know, we you know, like we obviously notice how good Scarlett Johansson looks. Right. I mean, it's 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 hard to get away from those, you know. Yeah. Well, she I, she's an she is a uh, unequivocally beautiful person. So that it's kind of it's hard to get past that. You know, there's yeah. no it's not hard to get past it. It's just a fact. Like you know, a lot of people, especially in the Marvel movies, they're just they're very handsome. They're beautiful. Yeah. They're just shiny, beautiful people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hell, uh, totally objectively, that. Uh, the Captain America is pretty easy on the ice. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Chris, Chris Evans, Evans is a hot Chris dude. Evans is a pretty dude. He's a pretty mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We all agree that he's a pretty dude. Yep. But then, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's it. We'll we'll see what movies our kids are watching. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll and just criticize them roundly. There's a and there's an interesting uh, interesting website out there called uh, BechdelTest.com, and what they do. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Bechdel test. Um, yeah. What it is. It, you know, essentially, it it it, ta- it looks at movies and evaluates them on three different criteria. It has to have at least two named women in it who talk to each other about something besides a man. So there's a lot wow. of movies out there. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like certain mo- there's a lot of movies out there where that doesn't happen. Um, and you're you know you look at them and you're like, wow, you, you don't. It's you hearing that out loud. You think, oh, that shouldn't be difficult. But it's staggering uh, how often it is. Yeah, yeah. I think we uh, uh, last summer. I think we talked to Dean Hagland from uh, the X Files, and he and uh, and his producing partner are were. I guess they're probably in post production now. But they were in the in the course of filming a ensemble movie with a strong female cast, 
and he mentioned that one of the reasons they did that is that they are very keen on the uh, on the Bechdel test. Yeah, you you would you would have to think of how much uh, talent that we're just leaving there, right? Mm-hmm. That, that we haven't seen if 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 we're just cutting out 50% of our population, you know, as far as mm-hmm. hearing what they have to say and in, and in, and in that creative um, spirit, you know, that's that's just sad, you know. But hopefully we all get a little better about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh I guess, I guess we as the fans have to uh have to do our part too. Yeah, you know, it's you know, building awareness is also, you know, it's not it's not solving the problem, but hopefully it's helping to take steps to rectify it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh I guess we picked a uh an upbeat enough note to end on there. <laughs> yeah. no. So the uh, the Bechtel test that's a that's a real thing. Yeah. And through uh, the magic of Matty P Radio, I was able to locate the uh, Dean Hagland clip that we were talking about. Yeah, I think we just play that real quick. Yeah, yeah. Let's have a listen to this. This is us speaking with Dean Hagland about uh, the Bechtel uh, and, test. And yeah, yeah. The uh, we we touched on this whole debate months ago. Here, take a listen. What I understand about uh, this movie, The Lady Killers, despite its name, it's actually a very strong female ensemble piece, which is, uh, to put it mildly, a rarity in Hollywood. It is a rarity. Uh, you know, we often talk on our show about the Bechanel test, uh, which is, uh, or Bechanel? I'm not sure how it's pronounced, actually. But it is a, uh, uh, a graph that determines uh, uh, how many movies that are currently out there have a female lead that has more than ten lines in the movie that... Uh, uh, the conversation is not about the other guy in the movie, and that uh, moves the plot forward. And this test determines uh, basically where, uh, you know, women's role in movies are at, and it has become apparently the lowest ever in the history of filmmaking at the moment. But, oh, this uh, sounds like a depressing test. I know. It, are they, it, can we just stop doing the test? <laughs> Yes, we can. Yes, yes, you can go to a movie and not do the test. But if you're curious about, uh, you know, female roles and 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 uh, the roles, there's so many great talented female actresses out there that uh, you know the audition for smaller and smaller parts uh, at lesser and lesser quantities. And um, so we thought that. Uh, uh, often we say we should be the change that we want to see. So instead of being angry at the man and fighting, we become the solution that we wish the future to be. So, so we decided to make a movie that had lots of female roles that were positive, that weren't uh, dependent on uh, uh, talking about what the guy was doing and, uh, and move the plot forward. So, oh. so And you got to two twist. males to produce it. Well, that's good. One, one step at a time. Well, done. well, you know, you say two males, but there is some very strong female presence in both our uh, our relationships supporting this movie. Because you know, it it takes an army to make any feature film, and uh, when you see any movie on screen, regardless how bad it is, you just have to doff your hat to the fact that they got it to screen because it yeah. is a, a Herculean effort to get that rock up that hill. All right, so I think what that shows us is that even if you've got women in all your movies 
and we've even got uh, a few women behind the scenes, there's still the Bechtel test tells us something wrong with the system. Well, I think that's, that was the point of, that's why I was having such a hard time about what you were saying earlier about they're not represented, right? You know, cause yeah. it's not that there's not as many women on a screen as there are men, yeah. but it seems because of the Bechtel test that when there is a woman on the screen, the subject is still a man. Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah. that's it's, that, it's weird. It's not a screen time issue. It's a substance issue. Right. And it's been, uh, it's been possibly ingrained in us. I mean, we may, I think if you ask any guy, no matter how enlightened they consider themselves, they're going to say, yeah, you know, uh, there's not that many funny women out there. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, there's no real good action star women out there. Uh, but I think that's untrue. That's I mean, untrue. That, uh, well, look. Yeah, there there are examples, but the reason you have to look harder for them is that we've been pre-programmed to think that. There's many examples. Tracy Ullman, Ellen DeGeneres, funny, funny, funny. Yeah. Um, women in action roles, uh, Jennifer Garner in uh, Alias was incredible. Um, uh, uh, Carter in uh, Wonder Woman, I thought she was great. You know, like, there, there's, there's, it's actually stupid to try to bring them all out. There's plenty of them. Yeah, okay? but it would be stupider to bring out examples of men in the same position. Right. There's, yeah. there's, uh, it, it's hard to know if it's a debate that is too late in coming or in that we finally just woke up and said, oh, wait a second, we're kind of shortchanging half the population mm -hmm. here. Do, do you think it comes down to that? Are we just now like the smartest generation? We know better than they did 50, 60 years ago when you just had a few starlets and a leading man in every picture? Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of times, even back in, uh, back in those days, uh, you know, women did seem to have more power on the film screen than they did in real life anyway. You know, that's how I, that's my, you know, vision of what it was back in those days. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think that that was real. Yeah. You know, um, I don't think that it was the leave it to beaver kind of life and, you know, the woman was all nice and the guy came home and he had his brandy and it was all, it was all good. You know, I think, uh, there's a lot of stuff there that we're not seeing. Um, a little polishing of the history. Yeah. You know, a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, no, I think what actually is more at stake here is just that it's, it's, time, it's time to kind of get this thing moving in the right direction. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's we're leaving too much on the table if we're, not, if we're not welcoming women directors and writers and producers of content. Yeah. You know, if we're not welcoming that into our pop culture... Um, it's really our loss, yeah. right? As it I try is. to yeah, fumble through You put this. it well, yeah. You, you leave it on the table. Right. When you've got half of the uh, population subjected to lesser roles, mm -hmm. to, who don't have their own stories, who only contribute to, uh, to, to the male-centric stories. All right. See, I think, I think maybe we're just almost spinning out of control. We should at least talk to one woman about this. <laughs> How about you? Think? Uh, let's let's let, let's see if we can do that. Okay. You know, as luck would have it, Marky, mm -hmm. uh, I believe you were with me when uh, we spoke with uh, Jackie Holland oh, recently, yes. the lovely and talented uh, writer, producer, director, actor, Jackie Holland. Mm -hmm. uh, and we talked a little bit about uh, specifically women in comedy, but uh, you know, it touches on this theme. Let's hear what she has to say about it. Sounds good. 
sometimes here on the show we discuss the uh, the the ongoing debate about uh, the misrepresentation of women in entertainment. I I do. I mean, I think that does happen, but I I think with like um, bridesmaids, like people realize because in my opinion. This is just my opinion. I thought Bridesmaids was funnier than The Hangover. Mm. So, you know, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. So, like, I think people are starting to realize, like, oh, women can actually be really funny. Because that, that was the thing. And I used to do stand-up. And, like, I just remember when I did it, and I really wasn't very good, to be honest. And I kind of hated it. <laughs> but I was doing, I was doing it. <laughs> and, like, people were like, do you want to go on tour? Do you want to go on tour? And, like, I, I kept getting asked to go on tour. So, literally, I had, like, three ba-bum-bum-ching jokes. But, like, it was, <laughs> it was because there's no, there's no women in, in stand-up. Like, there's, like, Sarah Silverman and, you know, like, Elijah Schlesinger. And, and there's just not very many. And so I feel like in these movies, um, a lot of them, yeah, they don't, they don't write like the really like, and this is more comedy, but they don't really write like the funny roles for the women. And even in like the big budget movies, like the the ones in the TV shows that I book, like it would always be like, okay, you say like three funny lines, the stripper, hooker, porn star, and then you're kind of <laughs> done, you know? But like, so that's yeah, I do think that. But I do think like bridesmaids really help kind of turn things around. And there's there's a lot of you know more I think female driven films. And at my production company that I'm building right now, all our films are female driven. So um, and it's not necessarily I will always play the lead, you know. But it's like I you know there's always going to be a female a female lead, and from the female's perspective. Because I think that's important. If you just go into that saying that is going to be something that we're going to do in every movie, uh, sooner or later it becomes taken for granted. It's the same way nobody ever sits around and says, we got to make sure and have a guy in this movie <laughs> who's acting like a yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that has never come up. So if anything, that, that does point to the fact that there was a condition and you are part of the solution then. I am part of the solution. You're part of the solution. We commend you, or at least we think you are. Again, we're a couple of men, and we're not in entertainment. Sage words from the lovely and talented Jackie. Uh, You know, uh, maybe I'm underselling lovely because she is. I just don't want to overstate it now because of the subject matter. I know, and it's, you know, as we're talking about this, too, I think I even brought this up earlier it's it's hard not to notice how incredibly good-looking Jackie Holland is, mm-hmm. you know. And so as soon as you bring that out, um, you know, it doesn't mean that we value her work any less, right? I mean, she, uh, she actually just produced um, a film um, called... Uh, Two-Face. Two-Face, right. Mm-hmm. She's actually working on a film called Two-Face. Two Face, mm-hmm. and uh, you know she's the writer, producer. You know she's kind of taking things on. She's taking yeah. on these roles. I mean she's 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 breaking out of this blonde bombshell kind of you know stigma. If it's, it's that actually seems like a bad word there. Um, but that's that's how that, that's how we're talking about. Yeah, that. I mean she she it actually slows her down in a way to be that good looking. And you're saying <laughs> Poor by, her. <laughs> by yeah, by producing and directing and acting and getting involved and creating the content. Yeah. Um, it it, it, it shifts the power. See, I she 
she's, I don't know if she's, when we talked to her, I didn't get the impression she was doing that explicitly. I think she's just doing what she assumes anyone in Hollywood can do. Right. You're an actor, you're tired of waiting for a role, write yourself a script. Yeah. No one else is going to produce it. Get some investors, make it yourself. I've heard from many, many sources, that's what everybody on Saturday Night Live does. Uh, you just, you write your own damn scripts if you want to be on TV more. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. You got to take that control. You got to take that power. Uh, she is, and I think, yeah, and I think she's doing that. You know, kind of asexually. She knows that she's good looking. Right. She knows that she can play those roles that demand to be good looking, but she doesn't relegate herself to that, and she maybe never even considers it. And I love that it was a very humble, humble talk we got from her. There's, there's more of it in, in the can. Someday you might hear. But uh, speaking of more strong women uh, on, in the production side. Mm-hmm. I had a chance uh, recently, uh, Marky, I'm afraid you weren't with me. Mm-hmm. Maybe news to you. But I talked to uh, Enid Zentelis, who uh, is not only a writer, producer, director, but a, she's also a film professor at NYU. So, you know, if you, if you need a better business cards than that, <laughs> She knows exactly what the hell she's talking about. should be in film. She's, yeah, she's definitely an expert. She uh, just recently had a movie come out, a great movie. I recommend it. Again, it's a good example of women in movies, but it's not as like men a subject. feminist picture. It's not in your face. Here's a movie about women now. Right. It's, and that's what I think is a sign of progress, that we're just seeing these women in natural stories. Mm-hmm. And this is a great example. Uh, it's got Melissa Leo, who is an amazing actress. Academy Award winning. Academy Award winning. Just knocking it out of the park right. in this one, too. But I got a chance to just sit down with Enid and have her talk about her craft. And I think it would be good to listen to that. She does not seem concerned about feminism. She just knows that if she's going to write a female character, it's going to be a full female character. And it's going to be real. And if she's going to make a movie, she's going to make the damn movie. And that's what I think we need to hear more of. That will not stop the debate, but it'll put it in better frames. It'll put it in the idea that this is about progress, not appeasement. Mm-hmm. All right, before I get carried away, here's Enid Centellis discussing her new movie, Bottled Up. Enjoy. Thanks for having me. Oh, not at all. Thanks for joining us. Director, writer, basically all-around creator of the new movie, Bottled Up, uh, which is coming out tomorrow as we tape this. And I kind of feel like this is a this has got to be a crazy time for you right now. Um, yeah, it's definitely uh, um, a a crazy period. I think that's probably the most appropriate word. You know, you work so hard for years on something, and then um, you're fortunate enough to have it come out into the world. And yeah, it's very emotional. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of a lot of people who watch movies they just assume you know uh, people involved. Everybody does their one little job on the assembly line or something. You, you work at it about three months, and then later on you can go catch it in the theater. And they don't realize it is years long, these projects, yeah. especially when, when you do it so much yourself, when this is your idea that you've seen through to the end. Uh, you've been writing this yeah. for a few years, I'm guessing. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The writer and direct, or the director stays on for years and years, the producer is on for years and years, other people come and go, um, but yeah, I guess I marked this film by having written it when my first child was 
um, not yet one, and I shot it uh, when my second child was three months. And now my kids are six and three. So, um, you know, it's when you have kids, you're like, wow, I'm really signing up for a marathon process here. I must really be invested in this or else, you know, you've got to find another occupation that isn't quite such a marathon. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did it. And I know, uh, I think it's uh, like almost a year ago it was on festivals and uh, uh, I know it played at Tribeca and stuff. And I'm curious if, if, because I just got to see, uh, the film, uh, yesterday. And I'm wondering if the uh-huh. version I saw is still identical to what you put out there, you know, last year, your first finished product. Yeah, um, you know, we shot in 18 days. Um, there was no extra, you know, no room to shoot extra scenes. We didn't get to shoot everything that was in the script. So we worked, the editor and I, Molly Goldstein, amazing editor, we worked um, sporadically, you know, over the course of the year because we didn't have the budget to work in a concentrated time. So even that was piecemeal. And, you know, we had to make absolutely everything work to the best of its ability in terms of sound and picture. So it is what it was, Our you know, our final presentation for the festivals is what was purchased and now it's coming to theaters now. So there's some satisfaction in that, that, you know, there's no wiggle room. So you, you make the most of what it is, and you know that you've done that and, and then send it out into the world. That's, well, you should be proud of what you're sending out into the world, I think. And I just, uh, and oh, you're right, it, you. is, it is very difficult to go back and just, you know, minorly tweak an entire motion picture like that. Right. Uh, but right. I... And, and I imagine, especially the bigger studios, they, no matter how involved one individual is, they're not going to let anyone go back and touch it without their okay. Uh, but you have right. the freedom of working with a more independent style, and I would almost be worried, like, every couple of weeks you just pull up that file on your laptop, like, maybe I can, maybe I can tighten it up a little bit. Right, right, right. All right, well, good. Um, don't touch it. The, uh, uh, it's... It's, I don't want to go into any spoilers or anything here, but like I mentioned, I did get to see it, uh, and I've got to tell you, it is such a great character-driven movie. And, oh, cool. And what really makes that work are the performances. I mean, especially Melissa Leo. Just wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I don't, I know she does, you know, she alternates between big mainstream movies, your, you know, the Oscar stuff, and then she also does... Uh, like, I don't know if they're passion projects for her, but a lot of really good independent movies. And I'm glad she did yeah. this. Was this, was it, was that a tough get for you? Yeah. I mean, uh, of course it was a boon to get, um, Melissa on board. She's had, had just won an Oscar and this is a tiny, this is a micro budget film, um, that had to be shot fast and furiously and, you know, very minimally. Um, but I agree with you. I think the performances, are really sensitive and nuanced and, and they're real. Um, and so I'm quite proud of that work on the screen and the cat, the three, you know, Melissa, Josh Hamilton, Marin Ireland. Um, you know, I think there's a real beauty in how the three of them working. They have very different acting styles on a lot of levels. Um, but they came together in the story and the characters work, worked off of that in a lot of ways. Each character has their own secret keep each character sort of seeking their their version of happiness and trying to find their sort of self self-security in the world 
and that works. You know, the performances and the amount of time we had to, to put together, put them together in the same space that we were shooting, it all worked. I'm very thankful for that. Well, they, you, you gave them good characters to work with, I think. And you put it all to a, because uh, with, a, with a story like this, it's, it could be very easy to just go, you know, flat out maudlin or try mm. too hard to make it funny. And you, you really walk that fine thematic line. And I'm curious how, how you set that up. Do you have a formula? Do you start with like a tragedy and then try and sprinkle some humor in it? Is there a, is there a ratio you follow? How, how, do you, how do you feel so confident in maintaining that? Because uh, you really did do it. Oh, well, first of all, thank you. That's such a wonderful compliment to receive. Thank you. Um, and, uh, no, I don't use a formula. You know, I definitely, uh, it's reflective of how I process uh, things in the world. You know, I've been through some pretty ter- terrible things like most people and I've been, I've been really lucky to, to, to be in really privileged places like I am now about to have a film coming out in the world and I think I've always just tended to see um, both sides of the coin and no one ever pinned the happy-go-lucky button on me, that's for sure, but you know, I come from a family and, and places where people always uh, hope and and humor, even if it was dark humor in situations that seemed god-awful, you know. So that's just the way I see the world um, and how, I, how I've survived some tragic things. And I wanted this film to be a film that people, uh, such as the characters in my movie, would actually want to see and enjoy. And I feel like people go people who survive things, real survivors of say terrible addiction, um, for example, do so because they have a sense of humor and they have some hope. Yeah, that's true. There's no you you, you couldn't call it victorious if uh, you know if you, you you yourself were living a maudlin life. Right. Well, unless unless maybe you're addicted to being a victim or something. Right. Yeah, and speaking okay. speaking of addiction, again, I, I'm going to try my best not to do any spoiling here. But uh, okay. the bottled up is very much on a couple of very obvious levels a story about addiction, and it even ends with that same uh, you know kind of uh, positive message about personal strength. But it takes a very, very subversive path to get there. Yeah. Without saying any more, I mean the movie is it's it's re- it's about Faye. It's about uh, Melissa yeah. Leo's uh, character who herself doesn't suffer from at least an obvious addiction. Was there ever a right. point, though, uh, earlier on when, uh, like during the writing or the conceiving of it, where you were more focused on Sylvie, who, who actually is, uh, you know, the uh, painkiller addict in the story? And it's yeah. her no, there never, there, never, there never ever was. Uh, I started writing the story about Faye. Um, I so wanted to, you know, I love Faye. I want Faye to, I wanted to help Faye find a way out and to find her free will and to exercise it and to find her the things that she loved in life and just to have her life back. It was always about Faye. So, um, and, you know, uh, I wanted to be as realistic as I could about that situation. You know, if it's your child who is, um, in the throes of a terrible addiction and is also in pain, possibly great pain, what do you do as a parent? 
you know, um, and I think that's probably what faith faces is probably one of the greatest conundrums that a parent faces. And even if you don't have kids, you have parents, so you you know something of that complex moment in relationship. You know, what is what is it to love someone and be bound to someone, and what is it to exercise tough love? You know, how do you how do you find the strength to do that? And how do you define that? How do you know that that in fact is what it is? Yeah, yeah, and well, and you paint Faye as such a uh, just by heart. Her instinct is to nurture. I mean, the the movie opens up with yeah. her caring for the yeah. plants. Um, in fact, I think the whole narrative sequence of events begins because she's going out to get. She's going to a brand new place she's never been before just to get something for her plants, which kind yeah. of you know brings all the characters together just as the as the happenstance. Uh, she's obviously very nurturing to uh, Josh Hamilton to Beckett. You know, changes yeah. his life as they all change each other's. But then when it comes to Sylvie, she she seems to still believe it's nurturing, but she has clearly crossed a line to enabling there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that's well put, and I think it's something that people can really relate to. You know, we're all bound to each other in big and small ways. And everybody has needs, and sometimes, uh, you know, those needs go, go south or are not good for us. And, you know, the closer you are to someone, how do you, uh, how do you, how do you find that, that good judgment or better judgment to see, oh, I'm, I'm no longer helping this person, I'm just enabling them. I think, you know, we do that in so many levels, in so many ways, the story of enabling someone who has terrible addiction problem is sort of the penultimate way of seeing that. And again, as heartbreaking as it is, because it's a theme that keeps coming up in the movie, there's always something hopeful and enlightening right around the corner every time. Again, I got to hand it to you. I am not calling this a depressing movie by any means. Oh, that's great. But this great. is not really a comedy, but you will laugh. Yeah. Yeah, I think, again, I think people are born to want to be happy and hopeful. So even if terrible things occur in their lives or descend upon them, that hopefulness and that happiness isn't squelched indefinitely. You know, they're still trying to live their lives. So it was my hope that that comes out. So I'm very gratified to hear that you think it does. <laughs> well, you, you, put these, uh, you put these characters through quite a journey, and thank you for bringing us along with it. Uh, just so people know, where, what, what markets will it be in theaters in so people can catch it there? Yeah, it's, uh, it's opening in theaters in um, New York, Seattle, uh, Dallas, Arizona, Philadelphia, Atlanta. Um, I'm sure I'm going to forget some. San Jose, um, Arizona, uh, quite a few across the country. And it's going to be uh, on VOD everywhere and available on iTunes and Amazon as well. All right. No matter where you are, you're going to be able to see it. If you can see it in a theater, of course. I, I just love movies in theaters. Uh, I, am, I am going to look for it in San Diego. I, I haven't seen it listed as there yet, but that's where I am. And if I can, I'm going to check it out. Uh, before right. I let you go, I know we plugged the movie, but during my research, I did discover uh, you are a film teacher at NYU. Yes. That's, that's, that's true. That's no small feat in itself, I think. How, <laughs> do you, when you juggle, like, I mean, that is a, 
pretty prestigious appointment, I think. You can drop that business card at plenty of cocktail parties. Um, (laughs) I wish I could go to more cocktail parties. (laughs) (laughs) Well, between the family making a movie and uh, and, uh, being a film teacher, I'm not surprised you don't have time. Do you... (laughs) Do you, how, how do you balance that? I mean, when do you decide it's, you know, all right, I, I'm not going to concentrate so much on teaching now. I want to be a creator for a while. You know, is that a difficult thing to do? Do you have to switch gears? Yeah, it's always difficult. Quite honestly, I feel like I'm in a, in a creative, um, a highly creative place in my life right now, and it just happens to coincide with also having young kids and teaching full-time at NYU. So would I, I would rather be creating every day for sure. That said, uh, I love to teach. There's a real synergy there with going out and making something and then coming back and, and explaining screenwriting, explaining directing, producing to people who are just learning it. It makes me better. It makes me better to writer and director to have to teach it, and it makes, uh, it makes my... Um, my teaching better to be in a constant mode of creating. So those things work. It's just a question of there may not always be enough hours in the day. (laughs) (laughs) Always a problem for you people who actually achieve things. I know. I I, I have sympathy. Now, do you, did you ever, you know, after a day on the set or, uh, or after rewriting the script an eighth time, did you go into teach class and suddenly like a light bulb goes off and go, this is why I've been doing it wrong. You know, or I've, I've, oh, I've been teaching it wrong, or or do you have crossover stuff like that? Oh yeah, all the time. Sometimes I'll be showing a clip of something, um, like the Preston Sturgis clip of uh, Sullivan's Travels, teaching in terms talking about narrative structure to freshman and sophomore a few years back, and I realized for me. I was trying to shape uh, Beckett's character, who would be later played by Josh Hamilton, and I realized this is what he needs to be. He needs to be behind the action. He needs to be odd man out. You know, in that film, he's, this, this guy's like um, going out into the world to try to understand what poor people are all about. <laughs> and, you know, it's a comedy. It's Preston Sturgis. But I realized that, you know, he this character needs to be behind the action and we need to root for him because he's really focused on what he believes to be his good pursuit in the world, and we believe it. But then it'll be plausible that he is not keyed into what's going on with Faye and Sylvie's life, that it's not just selfishness or aloofness, it's quite the opposite. So, yeah, I can cite many moments like that. Oh, see? So, in a way, you're getting paid to learn at NYU. Again, that's another feather <laughs> for your hat. Yeah. Yeah, NYU will love to hear that. <laughs> good. It's good. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. I, as I said, I know you're busy less than 24 hours before this thing hits everywhere. Uh, good luck with that. Thank you for joining us. Was there anything else you want to plug? Are you writing a new Star Wars movie or anything else you need coverage on? I am writing a new Star Wars movie. No, um, I wish that I was. Uh, but, no, I'm writing. I have uh, a new script that's out that I'm hoping will be <clears throat> start to be put together in the next few months that's set in the banking industry, but this time it revolves around the main character who's an internal investigator for a large bank who becomes um, the center of an investigation himself. And then I also have another novel that I wrote that I'm looking to adapt into a screenplay set in the 1990s south of France about an au pair who is Jewish-American and ends up with an au pair who is uh, accidentally 
anti-Semitic, and she tries to find her, and that's also a dark comedy. She tries to find her way through this muster abroad. (laughs) You heard that right. (laughs) Well, you know what? I was actually kind of kidding. I didn't realize you actually had a script and also a novel, too. This is why you've got no time in the day. You, you know, you don't want to ask those questions to filmmakers because you're just going to add more time to your interview. You, do I have anything I want to plug? Yeah. How much time do you have? Right, we can sit here all day. It's a oh, dangerous well, question. All right. Well, then I want, to, I want to keep hearing about it. I want to see these things out there. And I wish you luck on the movie. I'm recommending it. Uh, especially if you like independent movies, this is the way they're supposed to be done. It does not look cheap. The performances are top-notch, absolute, the best caliber. Uh, it's character-driven, and there's no car chase. That's probably the only drawback. Uh, otherwise, you're going to love it. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Thank you. Oh, not at all. Good luck out there. Get some sleep if you can. And otherwise, I don't know, enjoy the wrap party. All right. Take care. Thank you. That's a lot of it's a lot of talk about women. Yeah. And maybe it's time there was this much talk about women. Yeah, the cavemen. Yeah. I mean, maybe even if it's just two guys talking about it and yeah. we don't really know what the hell we're talking about, maybe the fact that we're talking about it makes a sign of progress. Yeah, I think we solved it. <laughs> there yeah. you go. We we wrapped it up. Good news. <laughs> call call the women. That's right. We got hey, ladies. <laughs> we got we all solved it. it. <laughs> No, but seriously, it's something that when it is solved, we probably won't even notice it, but it's a long ways away. This is a difficult subject uh, in that we are coming from what maybe someday is going to be called the long, dark ages of entertainment, you know, long before your mods and your 30 Rocks and your Sarah Silvermans. Uh, it's It's a thorny issue. Yeah. And we don't know if we've been conditioned this way or if there really is, you know, uh, some sort of, I don't want to say glass ceiling, but there's maybe some some things that men will inherently be better at and women won't be, but I'm afraid to state anything that way. <laughs> well, you better not. Ex- exactly. Uh, it, it's too difficult to call, especially for two guys talking about it who have no business talking about it. Yeah, I think it's been fun just kind of stumbling through this little topic. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. And I think it's, it's definitely healthy, and I think we need to encourage everybody to kind of partake. You know, we, yeah. um, and if and, nothing and, else, any women listening probably laugh their asses off at us. Because <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, you know, I think that with that, that whole Bechtel test really, um, really framed this really well. You know, because as, as soon as you tell somebody uh, women are underrepresented in Hollywood, they're going to get kind of defensive. They're going to cross arms and go, oh, really? Well, why do they have Oscars then? For, you know, why, you know, why is there, you know, a woman they on every can vote? <laughs> they can vote now. Yeah. So, but, you know, the actual difference is, is that um, when you start to look at the numbers of what the Bechtel test reveals, it's that even when they're, it's not about equal screen time. That's not the issue. 
It's about what is the subject matter of when you see a woman on, you know, like in a television show or on a movie screen. And unfortunately, and I, I say that with, you know, all the love and respect to my brothers out there, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, the subject matter tends to be men. Yeah. And, you know, I know this, but, you know, um, we're not that interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I, we're missing out on so much. We are. And I think, and the, Hollywood itself doesn't know how to do it quite yet. We've, I've, I've seen the Hulk in like three or four goddamn movies now. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the Wonder Woman. <laughs> I know. They keep trying, and even they say, oh, that still isn't very good. We, do, we don't know how to write for a woman like this. They can't. Josh Whedon couldn't do it, which I know, says Josh to me there's, there's, uh, maybe the next generation is going to have more luck, but at least we're shining a light on it. You know what? You get maybe I'm patting myself on the back too much here, but get Enid, good for you, get Enid Zantellis to do it, get Catherine Bigelow to do it, and I think you're going to have a Wonder Woman movie that's worth kind of talking about. Is it how much money are they going to put into that though? There's uh, at some level. Well, we'll see. Well, you get James Cameron producing. Yeah, and, and uh, well, Bigelow used, directing. Well, they used yeah. to be married. Yeah, so it's going to be difficult. Right? <laughs> it's going to be. I'm a... not saying this is an easy project. <laughs> Whoever's listening is going to take up the mantle. Get to it because yeah, yeah. you got your work cut out for you. Uh, well, so look, right, I, I, right, I, right. I don't think we solved anything. Yeah. Okay, uh, I don't right. think we're going to today. And that's fine. And uh, we hope that we enlightened you to kind of this little problem. Um, I know that we brought you some good examples of women doing some really good work out there. Um, doing it for the right reasons. Um, mm-hmm. They have the they have the talent set. Good looking. That's, that doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. Good point. Yeah. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. Um, and uh, for those of you kind of itching for some more, here's a little programming note. Um, we're mm-hmm. actually going to be bringing uh, Jackie Holland back, which we, which we hope will be for a special program that's going to highlight. Uh, her latest release, I know she's working on something coming up, yeah. but she just finished a film called Silent But Deadly. Uh, it's actually available right now on uh, VOD. Is that right? Yep. VOD, uh, your Amazon, iTunes, your Amazons. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. This this movie was a lot of fun. Um, and so we're going to bring uh, Jackie back and maybe, uh, with any luck, some of the stars of that movie. Um, and so we're going to have a show on that. Yeah. And then also, uh, we're not quite done with Dan Casey. That's um, right. Our yeah. resident uh, kidnapped expert. Right. Uh, a guy who we're not paying um, and who hardly knows us at all. Um, but, yeah, he's, we're actually going to bring him back for our WonderCon um, uh, preview show, which will be uh, probably in the next, like, three weeks or so. So uh, keep, a, keep, a, keep it keep Unless it turns into a WonderCon post-show. Yeah, that's might. possible. That's possible too. Uh, let's just see if we can get get him back on the air for you guys. But uh, he's got a lot. To, you know, he'll he'll always have plenty to say, and and he's a bright guy. So we thank him for joining us. Yep. Um, Go check out thenerdist.com dot com if you want to see more from him because it's worth it. Uh, don't forget Dean Haglin, who um, you know you guys know him from the X Files, and that's right. Uh, the Lady Killers is probably still kind of floating still around out there, working yeah. its way yeah. through the post production track. But keep your eye open for it because. It's at least going to get us one little percentage point on the Bechdel test, everybody. <laughs> you got to work on that Bechdel test, people. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. All right. Uh, I, I can't really think of anything else because the sun is really coming up. The, the cereal is congealing in the bowl. It's nothing but college sports on TV. I think I'm done with a Saturday morning. How about you, Marky? 
Yes, enough of this.